Hey guys, I just want to tell you a little bit about our Podcasts app which is now live on the App Store. It's the world's first audio-driven app for experiencing medicine. Every week you can step into the shoes of doctors with an engaging case and quiz. Download now and have a look for yourself. Let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrub Den podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. Today we've got another amazing guest. He probably doesn't need an introduction. We have with us today Naseer Karma, or many of you probably know as Karma Medic, who has more than 700,000 followers across all his social media platforms. He has, you know, done amazing things. But the coolest thing of all, not even the YouTube, not even the Instagram, is the fact that he's a fellow GKT medic. So we just love you for that, bro. Because <laughs> you're repping GKT out here. Um, thanks for coming to the show, man. How are Always you? Always rep GKT. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I'm great. I'm happy we finally got this uh, got this sorted. It's been a long time in the making. Yeah. So as is the typical scrubbed in fashion, we know you're doing really well today. You've got fans across the world. Take us back all the way to the very beginning. I know you've got this jet setter lifestyle. You were, you know, born in one country, raised in another, came and studying medicine in a whole different world. Um, tell us about young Nasir mm. when he wanted to become a doctor and start studying medicine. So I guess we'll start right at the beginning. I was I was born in Vancouver in Canada and then a couple months later moved to Athens, Greece for my dad's job. And um, that's where I grew up for most of my life. That's where I applied to medical school for the first time. And I, th- I feel like I've, I've had sort of this internal drive to always be a doctor, but I say that in quotation marks because as a really young person in you know middle school and high school, you don't really know that you want to be a doctor. And then sort of in high school, I did a couple of work experiences, shadowing uh, some surgeons, some doctors, doing uh, a little bit of research as well. And I think that's what really solidified for me that medicine is what I want to pursue. And then I I made the very, very clever decision of applying to only the top, top, top medical schools in the UK um, after, after graduation. And I didn't get accepted anywhere. I had one interview at Cambridge but I didn't quite understand the importance of interviews and how to prep for them properly. And you know, that you should take them extremely, extremely seriously. And so I didn't do as well as I'd hoped. And I went for plan B, which was to do an undergraduate degree in Canada, in Toronto, where I studied immunology and microbiology. And it was one of the best times in my life that that four year undergraduate degree filled with tons of studying, lots of really stressful times, but I grew up a lot as a person there. I matured there a lot and figured out who I was and even further solidified that I still wanted to pursue medicine. So after that degree, I pulled myself up by the bootstraps and applied to both uh, Canada and the UK for medical school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thankfully got a place and accepted Kings. At the best university. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no what? doubt, no doubt. <laughs> what kind of made you apply and do undergrad in Canada? Were you based in the UK at the time or was a particular reason as to why you wanted to go study there? Mm. So I was in Greece at the time. Mm. Uh, That's where I went to high school. And every single person in our grade was applying to the UK. But my parents had always had this idea that we would go back to Canada at some point in the future and settle down there. Uh, You know, my parents would move there. Me and my sister would study there. And that's where we'd live for the rest of our lives. So kind of that was the plan. You know, move to Canada, uh, get an education there and settle down. And it was, uh, it was really a plan B. 
uh, when I was in high school, I applied for medicine in the UK and plan B undergraduate in Canada. And thank God I applied for that plan B <laughs> because uh, I, I had a place at university. And um, yeah, th that's really, that was the reasoning. We were born in Canada. We had a Canadian passport. Okay. Fast forward, you kind of do undergrad. It kind of reaffirms your kind of desire, pursue, you know, to, to do medicine. You apply again in mm -hmm. the UK, get into King's. How was that transition? How did it feel to finally get that letter that you're finally going to be a medic? You're finally going to become a medical student. Um, describe the feelings, oh. you know, how was it, bro? Because I'm sure, you know, you had to wait four years to kind of get to that point. Yeah, I, I literally just got goosebumps and shivers <laughs> down my spine when you said that. I, I, I remember it so vividly. It, it's as if it happened yesterday. I was, um, I was in the library uh, studying for a chemistry final with one of my really close friends. And I got the email, I opened the email and I just, I stood up from my chair immediately. I had my hands behind my head and I was like, no way, no way, no way. My friend's like, what's going on? I'm like, man, I got, I got accepted to medical school. And I remember, man, I was like, I almost cried there. My friend was tearing up. He's like, bro, you deserve this. You've been working so hard for this for so long. I went upstairs, I called my mom and that was it, man. I broke down. <laughs> I was like, I was in the middle of a grassy field, like completely out in public. And I just, I broke down. Um, yeah, it's an incredible feeling when you work so hard for something for so long and then it comes to fruition. It, it really is. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Because uh, we discussed this before, myself and Abdul. That email mm. is is so unique. Getting accepted into medical school yeah. is literally life-changing and life-changing and yeah that feeling uh, no one can describe it it's something it's, it's so special yeah. i know exactly what you mean um yeah mm. it really is a, a fond memory and i think f the same way you remember it we all remember that moment what we were doing exactly what we did mm. immediately after and that feeling of euphoria for the next few days um yeah so you kind of break the news to your family you're elated you kind of i'm sure mm. smashed your undergrad moved to the uk how was the transition you know how has medical student at preclinical years being compared to how it is at clinical years because i know mm. some people do struggle um kind of share that with us yeah um so moving moving to the uk first things first it, it was a pretty big culture shock for me mm. Mm. even though i went to a british school in greece i mm. did the ib diploma um and i was like very familiar with a levels ib etc uh, there were a few like British students in the schools, mostly Greeks and internationals. It was an international British school. Um, so yeah, coming coming to the UK was quite a culture shock, similar similar uh, to what I experienced when I moved to Canada mm, yeah. from Greece. So it was like, all right, here we go again. <laughs> but if, if there's anything that I thrive on, it, it is change. I absolutely love change, doing doing things different for, for all the routine I have in my life, of which I have a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I really, really appreciate change. Uh, sorry, I think your question was about uh, moving from preclinical to, mm -hmm. to clinical. Was that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, preclinical in the sense of undergrad to medical school or preclinical medical school to clinical medical kind school? Kind of the transition of a normal, because the advantage you have is you've done both. So a lot of people yeah. generally kind of smash their GCSEs, do really well, do even better in the A-level and then suddenly get into med school and it's just this kind of conveyor belt. Whereas for you, you've had the luxury of doing mm -hmm. an undergrad Kind of know what that entails and then suddenly doing medicine which i'm sure is a very different ball game and a different way of learning and studying yeah absolutely um so i'll i'll always say that my undergraduate degree was infinitely more difficult than medical school for me right now 
And part of that definitely stems from the fact that I've already studied for four years. Mm. I've learned a lot about myself in terms of studying tactics, habits, routines, what works, what doesn't work, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that also stems from the fact that in my undergraduate degree, I had either an exam or an assignment due every single week. Best case scenario, every two weeks, oh, you know, wow. taking five courses at the same time, constant, constant, constant pressure to perform. And in the US and Canada, we have a GPA system. So it's a little bit different than first, second and third here in the UK. And the way that it works is that every grade you ever get at any point in your school, whether it's a 1% tutorial or like a 40% final exam, everything counts towards this final thing called the GPA. Mm. And so there's very, very little opportunity to slip up. If you perform badly in your entire first year, it's very, very, very difficult to pull that GPA up to sort of like a reasonable or a good standard that will give you a competitive application for something like medical school. And so right from the beginning, you really are put in a spot where you have to perform every single time. <laughs> I think that's probably where my really good discipline comes from is that I was sort of forced into that um, having to keep up. So it's, it's a huge change, very, very different uh, curriculums and everything. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. Talk, talk us through your medical school years. So first year, what was it like? And talk us through what, what it was like to now sit in sort of medical lectures, what the culture was mm. like, and then how you transitioned into your clinical years. And now, sort of, what's it like? What are you loving? What do you not like so mm. much? T talk us through all of that. Oh, man. F first and second year was so much fun. It was um, so many lectures that, you know, you didn't even know what to do with yourself. You would just finish <laughs> like seven lectures a day, <laughs> barely have time to write notes on them, then move on to the next ones. But the good thing for me was that I had studied a lot of that material before. Mm. This was kind of like a second pass for me, which yeah. was good because I did need that second pass. You know, what I was studying in first year of medical school is what I studied in first or second year of my undergraduate degree before mm. I got like really specialized. And so I did need that refresher, but you know, doing something as a refresher is infinitely easier and better than doing it from scratch. Um, and it was also, you know, for me, first and second year was a time of exploring the city, uh, reuniting with some of my friends who I went to high school with, who mm. moved here and lived here now. Um, and, you know, just a lot of social activities, getting involved in the university and things like that. It was absolutely great. And we had some clinical experiences. We had a GP placement in our second year, and we had these patient educator sessions where we could practice clinical skills like history taking, uh, clinical exams, and things like yeah. that. But it was always like, what's going to happen when we actually go to a hospital? <laughs> what's going to happen when we actually start our clinical years? You know, yeah. it was always at the back of our head. And um, you know, once you start those clinical years, it's easily the best time of medical school. Yeah, absolutely. easily, hands down. Yeah. It's probably the, the, the time when you start to really feel like a medical student, I guess. And I don't know if you had mm. that sense of, yeah, we've done the lectures, but now we feel like a real doctor. You know, you prepare your staff, you start buying the, the fancy lip, man, the, the smart clothes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you start to feel like, yeah. You've got to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, there's nothing quite like that first time you talk to a patient in a clinical environment. Mm. I remember like I was shaking, I was <laughs> nervous. I was, I was going from drug history to presenting complaints <laughs> to social history to history of presenting yeah. a play. I was jumping all over the yeah. place. <laughs> but you, you learn, you learn. Yeah. And what used to be something that, you know, you focused very hard on becomes second nature after a while. Yeah. Um, no. And it's amazing to see that growth in yourself. Yeah. And I think it is amazing. Tell us where X 
GKT alumni, we loved Kings. I, I love it and I'll love it till the mm. day I die. I know things have changed drastically because of COVID, the pandemic and the lockdown. Um, how are things mm. now? Just so, you know, people get insight or how things have changed for medical students. I think as medical students, we are uniquely lucky in the sense that um, we're still, we still need to leave our house in order to go to the hospital, in order to get that clinical learning. And so it's, it's not, so, it's not like we've moved from, you know, in-person tutorials and labs to being locked at home 24 seven. Mm. I still leave the house almost every day to go mm. to clinical placement. And, you know, I, I, th I thank God for that every single day because mm. I would go crazy yeah, if I was man, locked absolutely. at home right now. And I really feel for those students. It's a, it's a really difficult time. So most things have stayed the same. The biggest change and what I'm, I'm the most uh, annoyed about is that our time in clinical placement has been cut down. Mm. So, you know, previous years that had maybe four or five days on, on clinical placement for us, it's two or three days a week. And, yeah, I, I understand why that needs to happen. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure. There's less time to teach us. But um, I really do feel like, you know, we do need that practice. We do need mm. that clinical exposure, just like all the doctors before us. And yeah, so I'm trying to get in as much extra time as I can. If I meet any doctors that are uh, really willing to teach me and they are OK with me coming in on extra days and things like that, I'm trying to go in whenever I can to sort of make up for that difference. No, definitely. I think I think that's what it is. I think in in times like this, you have to make the most of the opportunities that you do have available and you have to just grab them mm. as soon as they present themselves. So yeah, definitely, definitely agree with you. That kind of For brings sure. me on to this next thing. And I think I want to spend a bit of time talking about the YouTube. But before we go on the YouTube, bro, yeah, you need to explain to me why these study with me videos okay. are like, <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, like Abdul can't create a study with me for 10 minutes video. So, That's what it is. So, so like, I'm going to talk about the YouTube and kind of like how you started on the YouTube and, you know, your, yeah. your viral growth. But you, as far as I remember, you were one of the first mm. few that did the study with me videos. And mm. then I saw a lot of people kind of doing the only little freestyle twist to it. Yeah. But you're the original with the original banger, right? Because I know that's what you call yeah, the That's videos. the word. <laughs> it's a banger. Why do you that's feel true. like hundreds of thousands of students are watching these videos? Like, I still can't get my head around it. Honestly, man, it, it's it's absolutely amazing. And, and I'm pulling up my channel now to have a look yeah. at, at those videos. They're, they're some of the highest viewed videos on my channel. 2.2 million, 2.1 yeah. million. Wow. Uh, 700,000. I mean, just saying like those numbers coming out of my mouth sounds sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <sighs> but I, <laughs> I Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Um, I like personally. I, I really enjoy studying in library environments and I mm. feel like that's because there's this ambient noise around me. There's other people there. Um, and so I, I think that's where it stems from that, mm. you know, now with a lot of people being locked in their homes and with less social events, it's nice to have sort of an accountability buddy or a study buddy. And I think it's something that um, I maybe would have uh, benefited from if mm. I was in my mm. first and second year doing all those lectures and everything. Yeah. But I'll be, I'll be honest with you guys. And I've said this many times before that, I've, I've never put on a study with me video when I'm working. Um, and I don't know if I would necessarily benefit from it, at least not now. Mm. I do understand why people enjoy them and why people like them. But mm. to this extent is very, very <laughs> shocking to me. Yeah. Like I, I would have never expected them to do so well, but it's great. I'm really happy about it. No, it's good. Mm. It's amazing. And clearly a lot of people finding benefit. We, the beauty of today's society is that it's so value driven that unless 
the content you put out or the stuff you're doing is valuable mm. or people love mm. what you're doing no one's gonna kind of give you the attention right we're all fighting for the attention yeah for right sure. so yeah. clearly it's helping a lot of people mm. and i just think oh i'm probably just so old i don't really get with the times you know with these young tech savvy cool guys i think what karma's done is he's come across a community where he's actually connected them so as in he's come across and there's this massive community that do want this sense of we're all going to study together and what you've done karma is mm-hmm. you've connected 2.2 million students that can study together it's amazing that you're, you're you can do that mm. um so yeah man amazing yeah. work in, in some crazy way yeah yeah now that's off my chest because the, the whole <laughs> point of the podcast was to clarify that <laughs> kind of going <laughs> a few step back uh tell us yeah youtube why you started it what were you thinking at the time did you ever think it would mm. get to the point it is yeah. now um share that journey because that mm-hmm. is something i'm sure lots of mm. people are keen to hear the reason i started my youtube channel was was really really intentional i uh i had just been accepted to medical school mm-hmm. and i was floating on some clouds ecstatic and very very happy and you know in my really emotional state and uh, when i was just like feeling this intense intense euphoria i said to myself you know what i want to help other people have this feeling mm. okay and so i didn't like i've been watching youtube my whole life but the idea of making a video was so far mm. away from me i mean i had been editing lots of videos of my travels and things like that but as far as me talking to a camera it was so yeah. far away from me so i was like you know what let me make a reddit post a reddit ama mm. So I got really excited, wrote up this bio about my journey to medicine and, you know, ask me anything, guys. Like, I really want to help out, blah, blah, blah. I made my post, nothing, no comments, no views, no interaction, nothing. So I'm like, okay, no worries. Let me go to some of the forums that I was using when I was applying to medical school, the the studentforum.com. Let me post it over there. Post it one day, two day, three days, nothing. Mm. I'm like, all right, fine. What else can I do? I'm going to make a video. (laughs) So I made a video talking about my journey to medical school. Um, I got a couple of uh, comments over there, a couple of views. You know, to say a couple is a bit of an over-exaggeration. I think it was like maybe two views or three views or something like one comment after like a month or Mm -hmm. or a couple of weeks or something like that. But what I was doing was I was on the student room forum and I was responding to people's questions. People were asking all kinds of questions about the UCAT, the BMAT, Mm -hmm. entrance exams, applications, whatever. And I was responding to people there loads and loads and loads and so i built up this reputation where people would tag me and they'd be like i had a different username uh before karma medic and they tag me and they say hey x can you can you help with this question mm. and so then i was like oh maybe when i respond to these questions i should also say um by the way i have a youtube channel where i talk about these types of things if you want to check them out yeah and that's sort of how i got my first like 10 views 20 mm. views 30 views um and then yeah i had the idea to to work on the ucat exam because I had absolutely smashed the UK exam. I don't want to sound like too arrogant when I say that, but I I studied very, very smart for that exam Mm. and I felt like I had figured it out. Mm. And so I was like, okay, this is valuable information. Other people would really benefit from knowing this. And so so I made videos about specifically how to tackle the different sections of the UK cap. Um, And something I forgot to mention earlier uh, when you asked me about my whole YouTube journey, mm. a very big reason why I didn't get accepted to any medical schools when I applied the first time is because I didn't take the UK CAT seriously because I'd always performed well in high school. Um, mm. I was always a straight A student, straight A star student. 
So when this next exam called the UK CAT came up and I heard you don't have to study for it, you just write it. Mm. I was like, sure, no problem. I won't study for it and I'll just write it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up scoring like bang average, yeah. uh, which didn't help my applications at all. So I knew how important it was. and mm. I knew I had figured it out. When I walked out of the exam, I knew I had done well. I did score mm. very well. So I made a bunch of videos trying to help other people score well as well. Did you, so at what point kind of you're churning out the content and it's like you kind of vlogging, kind of sharing your medical experience and, you know, the passion and you're already euphoric, you've got this buzz and you want to share it with the rest of the world. At what mm. point did you realize or did you ever have that moment where you think, oh crap, like this is turning into something a bit more. Mm than I initially planned or hoped for? What Did you ever get that sense of like, yeah, this is starting to become really, really big? Mm. I mean, you know, I didn't start sharing anything about my medical ex school experience, anything about my life, vlogging, nothing like that until I think almost a year and a half after I started. All my videos for the first year and a half were purely value-based. And I knew that at the beginning, at that time, nobody cared about who I was as a person, and rightfully so nobody nobody needs to care um but i knew that if i made videos about my medical school experience vlogging whatever that probably nobody would care because there wasn't an exchange of value yet nobody was invested in my personality or who i am as a person yet what i was doing was providing value for exams for applications for personal statements etc um but yeah no, no one cared about me yet and so for a long time i didn't talk about my medical school experience i didn't vlog or anything like that um, only till about a year and a half later when I felt like, okay, maybe I can provide value now in that, per in that type of way. And really the only time I realized, oh, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but yeah. oh crap, oh, yeah. <laughs> something is happening, yeah, yeah. Um, is when I posted, I think it was my second vlog, um, medical student finals week vlog. And at the time I had 7,000 subscribers. Hmm. So I'd been going for almost two years, I think. And I posted that video and within a couple of weeks, it had something like 300,000 views. Oh, wow. And prior to this, every video I've posted had gotten like maybe a thousand views in a month, hmm. something along those lines. So this was, you know, this was something else entirely. Hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> is this what they call viral? This what viral means um so yeah that was sort of the first big video and why do you think that was that one video where all of a sudden it has catapulted in terms of the views <laughs> and people know like i'm sure there's a lot of people waiting to find that hidden yeah. was, it, was it like an animation or a transition or was it the little pop sound <laughs> when a little caption comes on what was it <laughs> do you know what i mean i can't tell you how many times i've rewatched that video while taking notes to yeah. try and figure out what made it resonate with so many mm. people yeah and if i'm honest i just i haven't figured out <laughs> I, I really don't know i don't know why that video did well <laughs> no. uh, a combination of right time right place had built up enough of a, li a library mm. uh, i'd become comfortable enough on camera that you know that video had some sort of charisma or like yeah. good energy to it mm. and yeah then a good thumbnail a good title youtube algorithm you know everything sort of Thank i guess you. fell into place with that one video no. Definitely. But it was built on the background of so many other videos, so many other things that didn't do anywhere near as well in mm -hmm. terms of views and, and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I guess that's when it all came together yeah. for the first time. Yeah, and I think it's very easy to forget that prior to that video, I'm sure you had a lot more videos of a lot more valuable content that people mm. have been following for a while. So it isn't really like an overnight success or one video that kind of changed Not at all. your life. 
forever. What I'm saying is, there's a lot of mm. medical students out there now, kind of jumping onto the YouTube scene. They're all kind of vlogging their day to day, and it's really amazing mm -hmm, to see. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I feel there are lots of people yep. out there that want to do something that they want to share their experiences. Or what advice would you give to those people that are kind of mm -hmm. on the cusp of hitting upload and sharing it? Oh my God, every everyone should hit upload. Genuinely, if you're even remotely on the fence, if you're just thinking about it, mm. if you think you have no gear and you have no mm. following, whatever, just please record something, put it together on iMovie or Filmora if you're on PC. These are both free apps that you can use and hit upload. You never know where it's going to take you. Mm. Everyone has something worth sharing. Everyone is passionate enough about something to share it. And, you know, how many medical students are at King's? Each one of us has a completely different experience, you know? If we were all to vlog our day, it would be completely different. Mm. And so really, every, I think everyone should have some sort of online presence, some sort of, some sort of online platform. Mm -hmm. um, I think it holds a ton, a ton of value. Bro, I want to ask for some advice. Um, so a lot of people have said it when thinking about YouTube, and I've experienced it myself as well through the YouTube sections, mm. and that's the comment section is a very unforgiving space there um i don't know if you've experienced it but you often get a lot of negativity um, and this is from people who are actually who run massive large companies even they've experienced it and some of them have been mm. put off and have just thought you know what i can't deal with it have you experienced that and mm. how do you advise people dealing with that i mean there's a lot of positivity in the world but when you get that negative comment it really does hurt um, I, th I think I'll start off by saying that I feel really lucky in that I have not had that much like negative comments or hate comments or, or whatever on my channel, which I feel I feel very fortunate for. But, you know, I, I think hate comments are just a, a natural part of being online and doing these things. Now, the reason why I do not get affected by negative comments and they really don't bother me is because before I ever click upload and when I'm editing the video and I'm deciding do I want to keep this clip in or do I not want to keep this clip in every single time I make a cut I am confirming with myself that I'm comfortable with what I just said and I stand behind what I just said and I believe in what I just said and so by the time I hit upload I know that everything that I've said I believe in and I'm comfortable with and you know I'm confident in who I am and and what I am putting out online. So when a negative comment comes, I treat all opinions the same. I listen to every single opinion, and then later I process what I think about that opinion. So a negative comment comes, I read it just like I read any other comment, and then I process the context around that comment. Now, because, because I feel confident in who I am as a person and what I am putting out there and what I stand for, it's very, very difficult to get to me in that way with a negative criticism like that. If someone says, hey Nasser, um, I really didn't like the edit you did there, the transition, or how you talked about X or Y comment, I might be like, uh, X or Y topic, I'll be like, you know what, fair enough, let me let me look into that. But someone who leaves a comment on my channel saying, um, <laughs> I don't know, this, this is fake, nobody studies for this long, um, you aren't really like this, you must have no friends, and you're really lonely and antisocial, and I don't know what, I'm making things up. But, you know, when someone leaves a comment like that, how, how can I get mad at that? You know, it's completely fine. <laughs> like, I'll look at that comment just like any other one. Um, yeah, they really don't bother me. They really don't get to me. And my favorite thing to do is to respond with that emoji 
where the guy has like his hands up like this, his mouth wide open, really shocked, blue and yellow face. That's my favorite thing. And that's my favorite thing to do. If you, if you find any hate comments on my channel, yeah. I've usually responded with that emoji. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a look um, at that. No, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right. It's one of those things that, you know, it's part of that parcel of kind of when you do go online, you should kind of be like, there are always people that are going to be hating you. And, you know, sometimes it is a sign mm. of you doing well. Or, mm -hmm. um, And like I said, I don't think you should ever stop anyone from expressing themselves online or kind of uploading or sharing a video. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, don't take it to heart um, type yeah. of thing. I will say, like, I have two big fears with my with my YouTube channel. The first of which is, is to waste someone's time. I, w I would hate for someone to watch any of my videos and think, wow, that was a waste of time. And so that's why when I edit, I'm, I'm really, really brutal with what I leave in and what I cut out because I only want to leave the most important and the most entertaining things for people to watch. And then the second thing is that if I was to hurt someone's feelings or if I was to offend someone, that that would genuinely ruin my day. If, if someone left a comment saying, you know, I, I felt really bad when you said X, Y, or Z, that would genuinely ruin my day. Um, and so... Yeah, th those are the things that would get to me <laughs> if I was wasting someone's time or if I offended somebody or made them feel upset. And so, you know, uh, when I'm editing, I do my best to like be, you know, calm in that sense and not try and offend anyone or hurt anyone in any any type of way. No, Amazing. and I think that's quite reassuring. And it's nice to hear that the content you are putting out, it's just not for the sake of it. It's thought about, there's a process in place and you do genuinely care. Mm. Um, I wanted yeah, to absolutely. kind of say, Obviously, with that number of subscribers and you kind of everyone knows about you, are there times where, you know, you're in the hospital and, you know, like kind of fangirl moments where like, oh, my God, he's cover medic or people on the street that's randomly mm -hmm. recognizing you. Have you had that kind of level of exposure and experience yet? And how is it? How do you deal with that? Yeah, def definitely all the time um, in and outside of the hospital. J just last week, one of the surgeons came up to me and said that they watched my videos. <laughs> I've had doctors on the ward tell me the same. Also last week, actually, mm. I spent the whole day shadowing a doctor mm. um, or the afternoon rather shadowing a doctor. And at the end, uh, <laughs> they turn to me and they say, are you that guy who makes videos on YouTube? <laughs> and so I started thinking, what kind of questions did I ask? Did, did yeah. I come across well? Did I say something stupid? You know, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, walking around London, you know, before lockdown and everything. Mm. Definitely. I've been recognized quite a few times. Um, and it's it's genuinely the strangest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. It is actually the strangest thing in the world. When when I'm in the hospital, I feel like karma medic doesn't exist. Mm. Like I'm here as a professional, as a medical student, yeah, studying and learning medicine, and mm. and I leave it at that. Mm. And then when I'm out and about, it's it's so strange to have someone walk up to you and say, "Oh my God, karma medic!" <laughs> right. <laughs> Who is this karma medic person? Like, I'm, hi, I'm Nasser. Nice, lovely to meet you. You know, who is this person that people see as karma medic? You know, in my mm. head, they're they're one and the same. I, you mm. know, anyone who meets me in real life, and hopefully you guys as well, yeah. will feel that um, I'm the same on and off camera. Yeah. And I would hate, I would hate if anyone thought otherwise. No, um, no, for I, sure. I, I really do think I'm the same. Um, and anyways, yeah, so it's, it's very, very strange for someone to come up to me in a way where they're idolizing me or looking up to me, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just an, another medical student, you know, it, it's, it's the strangest <laughs> thing. I think, I, I think what you do through your YouTube channel, though, you talk about very topical issues, you show us an insight into the life. And so it allows people to look forward to what they can expect. So if they're pre-med, 
they can do mm-hmm. the watch your UCAT videos, get in, and then expect what you're doing, and then you're taking a, sort of a hold of all these opportunities, and so it motivates them to take a hold of the opportunities handed to them. So I think you're doing a lot of inspiring work through that, and that's why even when Abdul told me, "Hey, we've got Kamar on the um, show," I was like, "What? No way! You sure?" <laughs> I was like, "What?" Um, <laughs> so yeah, so no, I absolutely understand that, and. You know what? It's not just through the medical aspect. For us, when we're watching through your content creation, how intentful you are with it, it inspires us. You know. Mm-hmm. So when you just said about how you're brutal when it comes to cutting out scenes, that's something that inspires us because we need to give yeah. value. So we're gonna take that on board as well. Um, a quick question now: How do you balance all of yep. that? Because you balance family, a social life. YouTube medical placements. You're going to be a doctor. It's on literally around the corner now. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you balancing all of that? Um, <laughs> good, good question. The short answer that I always tell people is uh, little sleep and good time management. <laughs> but that's not a very good answer. <laughs> the the longer answer to that is is kind of I I, I genuinely can't imagine sitting down for half an hour and not having something to do mm-hmm. not not being intentional about that half an hour yeah I, I do not sit down for even 20 minutes in my day without knowing exactly what i'm doing for those 20 minutes mm. and so in my head sort of all of my time is like blocked to different things usually in half an hour blocks but it can be a five minute block mm. or a 10 minute block or whatever mm. and i'm just really really purposeful with my time you know if i'm gonna sit down and uh go on, scroll on tiktok through my phone I'll set a timer for either four or six minutes. Mm. Four minutes, if it's a regular TikTok session, six minutes if I'm like, oh, I'll chill a little bit more oh, wow. today, you know? <laughs> if I'm taking a nap, I set the timer for 21 minutes because I want one minute to get into bed and then I want to be asleep for 20 minutes, okay? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in my head, it, it just makes perfect sense, you know? If I'm going to do anything, set a yeah. time for it and then laser focus and bang through that thing mm. and then move on to the next task. Yeah. Now, there are negative aspect of doing this which is sometimes i feel like i'm a, I'm a robot like mm. you know i forget to just sit down and think about what i'm doing reflect on what i'm doing mm. and it's something that i'm really trying to work on uh, this year is being more reflective and in like thinking about why i made the decisions that i did just mm. generally in life yeah mm. um and yeah I, I love it i love it honestly like a la- couple of weeks ago now i i was like feeling unmotivated mm. okay and I, I called my girlfriend. I was like, hey, Lex, I think I'm feeling unmotivated right now. Like, what do I do? Because mm. genuinely, I'm, I'm always doing something and I'm always thinking about something. And that's how I like to be. It's not something that causes me stress. It's not something that, like, I have to try to do. I gen- just genuinely enjoy it. Yeah. Um, no, it's good. I think the key thing is we need to kind of understand how we work as humans, what makes us tick and what makes us productive mm. and kind of move away from, you know, Nasser does this in a certain style and, you know, Ali Abdel's doing this in a certain style and all these other YouTubers and these, you know, productivity gurus and kind of find a way that works for us rather than mimicking um, other people. Um, and I do think that yeah, you yeah. do have very good time management and discipline. And I think to be fair, to make anything amazing, to make it a success to the point it is like yourself and your channel, you do need to be on it consistent mm. and very disciplined with your time, um, which then kind of brings me on to the comment. Mm. Um, of last summer everyone probably knew you kind of not ghosted for a bit but you kind of toned down a few things while you were focusing on the USMLE exam Um, tell us Mm. how that experience was 
what's the rationale behind doing it especially as a medical student because i know there are lots of people always interested about the exam mm. don't know how to go about it or what it kind of entails so kind of share some time sharing that with us bro yeah um just before i say about that i want to go back to what you're saying about uh people watching my videos and or ali abdul's videos and wanting to mimic them or copy them mm. I, I always try very hard in my videos to say this is what works for me and I think it will also work for you. I think this is valuable, which is why I'm sharing it in the first place. Yeah. But if it doesn't work, like, please do not try and copy this. If, if you think this is a silly idea or it doesn't fit into your lifestyle, there's like no pressure. You know, I'm not going to be offended. You can tell me that you don't like it and you want to do something else completely fine. Mm. I, I also don't like the idea of people thinking I should be just like that. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think like people should take opinions and information from everyone and then decide what works best for them. Because like you said, we're all completely different different schedules, different lifestyles, different commitments, different family, different whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I always try to promote that idea of like, this is what I think is valuable. If it works for you, then that's great. Yeah. If it doesn't, it's mm. also completely fine. No. Um, so, talking about the US and the US. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. You look um, scarred. You, you, look, you, you look traumatized. <laughs> Some PTSD kicking in. Literally. Oh, I had a guest on the podcast the other day and uh, she asked me about the US on the exam and I had to take a really deep breath. Okay. And I always do. I mean, yeah, I, I wrote the exam because I want to keep my options open for the future as to which country I might want to live in and practice medicine moving forward. I don't have an answer to that question right now as a 25 year old where I want to raise my family in the future and my kids and all that stuff. And so I don't want to close myself off to only having one option. I want to make sure that if in the future, I don't think this is the best place for me to be, I'm able to move with relatively decreased friction friction. Mm. So that's why I took the exam. As far as the exam itself, <laughs> it is very, very difficult. Mm. genuinely it is unlike anything we need to do in the uk as medical students as undergraduate students mm. it is really in its own league in the us if uh, any undergraduate students have written the mcat which is the pre-medical exam uh, for undergraduate students it's kind of like that but more difficult but in the in the uk we really have nothing that comes even remotely close mm. and if people are thinking about it and they're unsure if they should take it etc I made a whole bunch of videos about that specifically for those people because I was one of those people. I had absolutely no idea what to do about the USMLE and there was not good resources about it online. So I made them myself uh, and I think you'll find those useful. But besides that, um, you have to be very, very serious, I think, about taking the exam. You can't just, what's the saying, willy-nilly study for it every now and again. Yeah. You need to really buckle down, put your head down and you know go at it with full force. Um, because it's it's just not something you can do in one sitting or in a short period of time. We had a guest who was an Imperial graduate, then moved over after getting like a, a really good dermatology post in a New York mm -hmm. Manhattan-based hospital. And it was kind of similar to what you said. There was a lack of resources. It sounds super cool to go to America and practice there and earn like a shit ton of money and everything. But when it comes mm -hmm. to sitting in the USMLE and kind of doing it, it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different story. And I don't think yeah. people realize what they're signing themselves up for. Even the exam, as far as I'm aware, mm. you have to pay like a fee to kind of sit it, which isn't cheap either. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that is... I think I paid in total mm. maybe £3,000 for oh, wow. writing the exam, mm. all the books and preparations, online resources, everything. It's a huge, huge commitment, yeah. for sure. And oh, wow. I think, yeah, it's something that we do urge a lot of people to kind of explore and research it properly before they kind of go down that route um and yeah, i think definitely. 
as you kind of go through the system and I'm sure the beauty about what you are doing is you can always share it for other people to learn from mm. the way information mm. is so accessible in this day and age is a lot more easier than when me and Amzu applied yeah. for med school I don't know a good more than 10 years ago mm. right mm. and I think it's amazing to see yeah, what yeah. you guys are doing because back then you know we went to a school where you know it wasn't the best of schools we didn't have the best of mentors we could have easily went down a different route to see your videos yeah. if I was a medical uh, a, a college I'd be like oh my god look he's doing it we can do it as well um I wanted to ask, and I don't know if it's a controversial yeah. question, is what I'm seeing with the YouTube is a lot more people are sharing a lot more personal and intimate aspects of their lives. Do you ever feel you're oversharing or do you have like mm -hmm. a, a boundary? Because I feel sometimes for kind of the best views or to be the leading channel, you have to share more and more and more and people like mm -hmm. to see other people's lives more and more. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I just want to kind of gather your stance on that. As a general statement, I, I think I'm very, very careful with what I share online mm. Mm. Um, from, you know, everything in my life, whether that's opinions, medical school experiences, personal experiences, friendships, relationships, everything. I really feel that I it's it might sound uh, what's the word like um, uh, I can't find the word, but. It might sound strange to say that I don't share that much online mm -hmm. because I have tons of videos online where I'm talking at length, but I really don't share that much online. And I think if you watch my videos with a fine tooth comb, mm. you'll realize that I, I share my experiences and I talk a lot about objective things that happen in my life. Um, but yeah, I, I really value my privacy mm. and I would be very scared of losing that to mm. such a large online audience with such a large online presence. Um, and it's something that I definitely think about more and more as mm. the channel grows and as more people come up to me on the street and say, oh, my God, Karma mm. Medic. And I'm like, you know, uh, a lot of people who I interact with on a daily basis might know about my channel, might know a lot of things about me, mm. what I like, what I don't like, what I'm interested in, where I'm going next week on holiday and where I was, you know, four, four months ago. <laughs> yeah. And mm. that's a strange interaction to have when you talk to someone who knows so much about you and you know literally nothing about well them. Done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I am, I'm quite careful with what I share online yeah. for sure. No, definitely. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, we're, we're conscious of time and we know you're coming towards the end and you're busy. I wanted to kind of see what you see, what the future holds for you in terms of, you know, where you want to take the YouTube channel next. Are you planning on doing something super cool? Um, and kind of sharing that cause I know you're super close to graduating. Uh, but mm -hmm. kind of tell us what you expect the future to look like for you in the next coming few years. Yeah. I mean, first things first, I want to graduate and, <laughs> yeah. and become a doctor. <laughs> That's always been uh, priority number one, mm -hmm. and it's always going to remain uh, priority number one for me. Mm. And at the same time, YouTube is an incredible, um, you know, creative outlet for me, way for me to spend my time. I just, I honestly love it so much. And I personally derive a ton of value from making these videos and sharing mm. them online. I really, really enjoy it. As far as what's, what cool big thing am I, am I gonna do next? I like to think that everything I do is, is really cool that's coming <laughs> up on the channel. <laughs> I like to think that every video is an absolute banger. Yeah, I love you calling it that. Is... Yeah. Bro, I mean, like, it's terms, I'll tell you why I like it, right? Before I went into med school, I was, yeah. So I kind of kind of grew up in the States, kind of had like a, a, a diverse mix of friends. 
and I mm. speak a lot of slang and you know stuff like bang guys okay. like it's, it's like you know slang and you know people used to say to me in med school especially in the early days right like yo Abdi you need to change the way you speak <laughs> You know, <laughs> people are getting worried. They don't know what you're gonna do. Like, you know, you like, like you, you can't speak slang. You need to speak English, and a lot of people's English deteriorated after being friends with me, right? And when I see it, when I see you, right, banger, it just takes me back to those days. And everyone's using that word now. Yeah, and I was like, and I'm laughing because I used to get so much stick for it. And yes, then we have, yes, you know, I've realized that. <laughs> and like, comes out here using it, like, and I, I, it always makes me laugh, and I just laugh to myself, and and, and it's super funny. Um, I wanted to ask of all the amazing videos you've done of all the bangers yeah. which one if you had to pick one would be your most favorite video bro of all time yeah. and tell us uh, why my next video dropping <laughs> yeah <laughs> i knew he was gonna say that because he posted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right every every one of our listeners make sure you guys oh, watch God. that <laughs> let me let me go find my is it like my favorite video yeah mm. it doesn't it doesn't necessarily honestly you know, something um, you've loved creating making and it's it you know you always have that one it's like a favorite yeah. child yeah my my favorite non-med school video is mm. the uh jordan travel vlog that i did mm. because i genuinely felt like I had made a movie by the time it was mm. done. It was 25 minutes mm. and I used, I don't know, like 10 songs. I had so many transitions and mm. cuts in there and so much footage that I'd filmed over the course of a couple of weeks. And I felt like, I mean, I worked on that video really, really hard. Mm. And I felt like I'd put it together in a really great way. Um, and so, yeah, that one definitely has a special place in my heart. Yeah. I was going to say, actually, that's one of my favorite videos as well. And I wouldn't even call it really? a vlog. It's a movie. Yeah. It is a movie. It's Some a of movie, the... It's a banger, bro. <laughs> bro yeah. Some of the shots that you had, wow. Just wow. Bro, I, um, do you know what? Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm happy you liked it. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I, even the way you describe it, and when I'm kind of seeing you, the passion and like, you love what you do and it mm. translates into what you're doing. Mm. And oh, it's man, so much. One of our guests, you know, Anya, who came on, she kind of went to Italy and she was doing like a pasta making class and she was saying, why does the, mm. your pasta, the Italians, you know, when they make pasta taste so good compared to any other countries? And they said one ingredient and she's like, what? And it's love. And they said, when you make something with love, it mm. really does shine through. And that's yeah. when you really create something beautiful and amazing. And, and I see that with every video you do. And kind of speaking to you, bro, I can see that you do care and you're very conscious of the way you're doing it. Exactly. And not just for the sake of putting it out there. I do. I really, um, really care. And I hope no no you continue doing that for the foreseeable future and one piece of advice from us you know we're a bit older than you a bit older and less yeah. tech savvy is <laughs> on calls are going to be rough the nights are going to be rough the weekends are going to be rough but please oh, never ever stop making videos because they're really amazing and yeah it allows a lot of people like myself when oh, we're younger to you see it man and it'll be like yeah i want to be like him i want to be a doctor because when a pandemic and the medicine gets a lot of stick there's a lot of toxic culture yeah. at times and no one really showcases the good stuff yeah. about it um mm. so i do urge you man if there's one piece of advice that we can impart yeah. to you and our listeners is whatever you're doing the videos are making please never ever stop um despite how difficult it becomes being a doctor oh, yeah man. absolutely thanks so much guys that's really really kind of you no that's really nice of you no um we are gonna wrap it up you're busy i'm sure you've got more bangers to make um <laughs> anything you want to say before we wrap up any piece of advice or 
something that you feel would be uplifting inspiring to all our listeners because yeah. a lot of them including ourselves do look up to you are mm. inspired by you so end it on something amazing and positive bro honestly um i, w- I want to speak directly to people who haven't been accepted to medical school their first time applying or um you know are, are not doing well in their interviews currently or something like that whatever honestly 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 even though when when i wasn't accepted medical school the first time it felt like it was the end of the world and i was so terribly upset about that yeah it turned out four years later it was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life and you know having a chance to sort of take a step back grow as a person explore even more options and gain more experience uh, i became a much better person for it and if you do want to pursue medicine if that is your goal if that's what you want to do one one small misstep one small obstacle one year of not being in medical school is going to be completely fine in the bigger picture of things so you know put your head down keep grinding keep working towards that goal and you know eventually you will get there so yeah that's that's what i want to say no i think Amazing. that's a beautiful message and i agree um keep your head down and don't let it stop you if you do have a dream and desire to do something do it and you're a proof of that um a massive thank you nasir for coming onto the show a massive thank you to our listeners thank you both so much thank um, you so much nasir and we will hopefully do this again sometime soon let us you know hopefully yeah, we'll, we'll make it <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, but we'll do like a video version but it's really been a pleasure for it. it really really has um thank you ever so much yeah me as well thank you guys thanks for having me on